Hello, and welcome to the Rethink Missions podcast, where we learn from the stories and lessons of cross-cultural servants to the unreached people groups of the world. Welcome to today's episode. Here's your host, Jeremy Wardlaw. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Joel and Andy McBarton. Their role here is to help new missionaries learn language and culture as they adjust the national language and culture here in West Africa. And uh, first of all, I want to hear their story, how they themselves adapted to life, language learning, and all that comes with moving to uh, West Africa. And from their story, we can draw out some lessons and how they help new missionaries adapt to the context here. So here's the interview with Joel and Andy McMartin. In today's interview, we cover the GRPA program, which is a language learning program that Andy helps people through. She's very good at it, and we'll we'll just get a, an overview of what that program's about. And then also, we're going to talk about how God works through brokenness and weakness. And I hope this is helpful and encouraging to you, um, that God can work through us, though we're weak, and almost especially because we're weak. He can work through us. So here's the interview with Joel and Andy. Could you maybe start off by letting us know your experience when you first came to the field, adapting, what were some of the challenges and lessons that God taught you as you first arrived here? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I I think... um, when we arrived here, it was it was difficult. Let me just say that. I don't know if shock is the right word or or what it was, but it was definitely difficult in a number of different ways. Um, and despite all the different preparation we've had, um, both through training, formal training, through informal training, through previous life experiences. Um, time already living overseas and stuff like that. Um, it was still it was still difficult, and and I think part of that was knowing that this is it. We're here, and we've got to we've got to either we've got to somehow make this work, or you know, we, it's not it's not it's not a temporary situation. We're not coming just for a visit. We're not coming for. Um, a small amount of time we're coming actually intending hoping and intending to establish our lives and our ministries here and that's a pretty sobering reality pretty sobering uh, realization and and so then when you when you realize that and you're just in this situation where everything is so foreign and so difficult you can you, you can you can almost accomplish nothing so it's very paralyzing in that sense and you're we're we're thrust into this new life, this city, everything going on around us. We don't understand what's going on. We have difficulty communicating and all of that. And so that that was that, that definitely took a toll on us in terms of taking some time to work through that. It took a toll on our on us probably mentally, spiritually, emotionally as well. The, our our first couple years um, after arrival were were difficult for us emotionally they were difficult for our marriage they were difficult um, for us spiritually like I said Um, but fortunately we did have a program that we were working through that was trying to lead us towards better integration and um, 
um, learning and understanding culture and language with people and stuff like that. And so, so that that's that was really helpful. Um, and I think that that was key to kind of giving us some of the guidance of the things that we needed. Yeah, I think um, for me, it was fairly similar. I when we first arrived, we had two kids, and they were four and two. Um, so we had just had a long voyage um, across the ocean. Long, in a boat? Like no, a ship? <laughs> on a plane. Oh, but, boring. Um, yeah, so our kids were exhausted. Um, we Even as we were going through immigrations, they were falling asleep on the concrete floor. And, you know, we were, you know, just trying to just adjust to this new place and this new life. And, and I just remember um, being picked up and taken to our apartment, and we all just kind of crashed and fell asleep. And um, I was the first one to wake up. Everyone was still sleeping, and suddenly there was this knock on our door. And... Without even, I was still kind of groggy, and without even really thinking about it, I just did what I would naturally do, which is go and open the door. And and I look, and there's this African man standing in front of me. Um, and suddenly I realized I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even know if I was supposed to have opened the door or how that worked here or what the next steps were. And I was just frozen and did the only thing that I could think of at the time, which was just to slowly shut the door again. And after that, I just fell to the ground and started crying. Um, the reality of what had this big change that had just happened just hit me and realizing that suddenly I didn't even know the basic pieces of life. I didn't know how to be a functioning adult. I didn't even know how to greet someone. I didn't know how to open my door and what to say and whether to have someone in. And in fact, I had just shut the door on someone, which could be a very offensive thing here. And still to this day, I have no idea who was there um, at the door at that time. Um, And so just to me, that is a picture of this whole process. You come in and you're basically become nothing. Mm. And somehow you have to build up from that, slowly learning these pieces of life and how to, to function in life. Um, but you begin from this state of complete um, emptiness and um, heartache that goes along with that emptiness. But that was required in order for us to then learn new ways to communicate, new ways to build relationships. Um, and so... We learned through this time just how God uses us in our broken state to actually have an impact on people. And I still don't, like, I know coming out of it, we hear, finally started to hear stories of how, how that did impact people around us. But, like, when I still look back at it and think, how did we have an impact on people, I still don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But somehow God is able to use us as the weak vessels we are. And and I think that is, when we walked away from that time, I think that's what was the reminder to me, was that ultimately it was God, and he was using this process of us humbling ourselves and allowing ourselves to be broken, um, to be demonstrating who he is. 
And, and this now is you, part of your role right now in helping others through this process of adapting to a language, and a national language and culture. Yeah. Um, so your role, Andy, you're the language consultant. Maybe summarize that if someone yeah. out there is trying to figure out what is a language consultant. So as a consultant, my role is to come alongside people who are in the process of adapting to language and culture, Um, and I fill a few roles. One is to encourage them in the process, because as I said, it's a process of being broken, and so um, discouragement is all around you, and if if we're not careful, that can suck people in, Um, and when we get discouraged... We tend to want to kind of close up, and so we want to go back to safety. Um, And so often safety is people's home, their own culture, and things like that. And and all of those things then lead to less progress, and and then it just cycles downward. So my role as an encourager is to help them from reaching that place of discouragement to where they are seeing encouragement in in, in their growth. Um, and kind of still have the ability um, to push on. Um, Another role is just as kind of a teacher to help them know how do we go through this process? What does it look like? Um, What are the common pitfalls that people make? And how do we take the next steps? And what activities should I be doing, you know, with my helpers? And um, so to kind of teach that process um, so that they understand um, where they should be going and then the last role is to be an evaluator to help them know if they're making progress how much progress they're making um and um also to when at what point are they ready to then start transitioning into other aspects of ministry so those are kind of the three main roles that i see that i play as a consultant from experience you're very good at those. Thank you. <laughs> it's so helpful to have someone there because when you're learning a language, it's all a swamp of, mm-hmm. like, you know it's, you're learning, but you don't know if you're learning at a right pace, yeah. if you're in the right steps, or if you yeah. should be moving forward or yeah. concentrating on what you're in right there. So it's really helpful to have someone outside help you through and say no no you're on the right track here's how to actually push yourself but don't push too fast because then you're going to miss some steps and there is ways that you can start deviating just a little bit which at the beginning is not a big deal but then it can actually get you off track in the long run and so you know it's well one to affirm like yeah you're on the right track but then to also see when people start deviating a little bit off of the right track to just quickly nudge them back over where it's easier to do than like six months later and they're looking back and they're so far off the track now that that deviation is a lot it takes a lot more work to get back on track what would be an example of like a deviation like that yeah um i think one of the common struggles that people have is to actually face their weaknesses. So a common um, <clears throat> deviation from the track is to to get to a place where you um, you want to constantly affirm the things that you can already do. And so you're 
you're doing activities, you're using words and talking about things that you're comfortable with and familiar with and never pushing yourself to, um, to try things that are more challenging for you, um, which is great for affirmation for yourself, but then in the long run, you could do a lot of that and then your progress is gonna be really limited. And this can start from the very beginning, you know, like there are opportunities where you can actually, from this whole pool of new words that you've learned, you can pick 10 words to put out on the table and our tendency will be to grab the 10 that I know the most because then I'm gonna feel better about the activity that I'm about to do. But if I really want to progress, the best thing is to actually pick the 10 that are the least familiar to me because it will give me an opportunity to hear those words more. Um, so that's just like a basic example, even from the very beginning, of helping people realize, okay, the best thing you can do if you really want to progress is actually um, place yourself in, in positions that are going to challenge you um, so that you're going to progress rather than just affirming what you've already learned. Mm. So the basic program, could you kind of break it down? What are the basic elements of the language program yeah. you help people through? So here on our field, we are using a program which is called the Growing Participators Approach, um, and it was created by Greg Thompson. And um, <clears throat> some of the basic elements of like the foundation of the program um, is... Um, basically that it's not a language to learn, but it's a life to live. And so um, he, Greg Thompson really has a heart for the unreached um, peoples around the world. And so um, his goal was creating a program that actually helps people um, become someone who's knowable and seeable to other cultures. So when we first arrive, not only do we have a hard time seeing and understanding um, what other what all these people are doing around us, when they look at us, they don't know what to make of us because we can't communicate with them and they don't understand our actions, the way we um, act or what we do. There's a lot of um, misunderstanding that can take place there. Um, so if we want to become someone that they can actually look at and see the life of Christ in, then they need to be able to see our life and understand it. And so... Um, so that's kind of the foundation of the program is how do we become people um, that can build relationships here and that it's not just about becoming this amazing speaker in a language, but it's about becoming somebody that people want to, to, to have a relationship with and that we know how to build those relationships um, and things like that. And so because of that, um, the program focuses on comprehension because a key part of relationships is being able to listen and understand people. Um, and so it's not just about our ability to talk to them, but our ability to actually understand um, where they're coming from and um, what they're saying and, and all of those pieces. Um, so, um, yeah, a lot of the activities will begin with comprehension, um, and then, of course, build into our ability to be able to communicate um, as well. Um, those are kind of the basic elements of the program, um, but it does have, like, it's broken up into six phases, and what we really like about it is that um, it follows a progression. The first phase is completely laid out for you, so when you're brand new, you know kind of what you need to do, and you can follow the plan each day. But then as it progresses, it 
teaches you principles and ideas, but gives you then the freedom to kind of create a lesson that um, works for you and your situation and the culture um, that, that you're learning. Um, and so as you progress through each of those phases um, um, towards the end, you should reach the level that we desire in order to transition into ministry. Mm-hmm. So when you say comprehension is mm-hmm. kind of the I guess, base principle, what would be an alternative way? Let's say some, yeah. some other program is focused on, yeah. a, on a different sort of initial building block. What would be one of those other building blocks out there? So I think when we look at that aspect, um, if, if a program is less comprehension-based, it's going to be more focused upon mastery, uh, an initial mastery. So um, if we think about like new words, for example, vocabulary, um, one of the principles we have in the program, it's called the iceberg principle, which basically says when we look at our vocabulary, even in our native tongue, we have a fairly large vocabulary that um, we can understand um, when people say or when we read those words, um, but they're not words that we actually use in our day-to-day lives. Um, what we actually use is up on the surface above, above the water, but the iceberg, the bulk of it is actually below the surface, and it's this huge um, mountain, I don't know, call an iceberg a mountain, but um, of other words that we have access to and that we understand. Um, And so some programs really focus on that mastery and being able to say words right away. So I'm going to learn maybe 10 words a day. I'm going to memorize them. I'm going to use them so much that I can actually use them in sentences, speak them right away. Um, But because I'm mastering them so well, I can only learn so many in a day. And So what Greg Thompson found was that with that same effort to put 10 words on the top of our iceberg, we could put 50 words down on the bottom of our iceberg. And so it means I couldn't actually use those words initially, um, but I can identify them. If somebody says the word, I could point to that item on the table, um, or I would kind of understand what was going on. And so... Um, so when it's comprehension-based, we're just going to focus on the fact that I can comprehend that word um, and I can understand it and be okay with that and realize over time that that's going to continue to move up in my iceberg. So that's kind of a slight difference of approach, whether you just focus on memorization and mastery or um, getting a larger quantity of words that you haven't mastered as well. On a, on a practical level, um, what that looks like is if you're if you're focusing more on communication you're sorry if you're focusing more on on your ability to speak and communicate then you're probably doing things like um working on dialogues maybe memorizing certain words or phrases and stuff like that and so um as opposed to if you're focusing on your ability to comprehend then you're building a broad base of vocabulary like like andy described and and but on a practical level, what that means is when you're focusing on your ability to speak, you might have this phrase that you can say really well. But the problem is you go out and you say that phrase, and, and then the, the person that you're speaking to responds to that phrase, and you might not know what they said. 
Um, and yeah, that might be an exaggerated example, but but honestly, we have all probably some of us have been in that position where you say a phrase and then someone responds back to you, and you and you're just you have no idea what they said or how to respond or anything like that. Or and I've been on both sides of that where someone said something to me and I've responded, they have no idea what I said, or or the other way around. Um, and and okay, maybe that's a little bit exaggerated, but either way, say say you you have a little bit better grasp of the language and how to use it and stuff like that. You but but you're focusing more on your ability to speak and certain dialogues and stuff like that. The problem is is that as soon as you get outside the the bounds of your area of comfort, of the dialogues that you've memorized, of the certain phrases and structures that you're used to, it becomes really really hard. For, for you to communicate or for you to to understand really and so so what that means is that and sometimes it can be something very small just a slight a, a different grammatical structure or a, a word change that, or a, a, a vocabulary word that you're not familiar with or something like that and it can completely change the meaning and your understanding of what's going on and and of course that's always going to be an issue right anywhere any way you go about learning language it's always going to be an issue but if your focus your emphasis is on more memorizing and mastering dialogues when what you get back from from the person you're communicating with is outside of that it becomes really hard then for you to operate mm-hmm. whereas if you're focusing on understanding the person and first then that means from very early on you're better able to at least follow the gist of what's going on and, and then through your broken speech, maybe at least respond to a little bit. But, but your broken speech at least demonstrates that you understand mm. to a certain extent where, what they've said. And that, that makes a huge difference. When, when, when someone responds to me in a way that I, I, makes me know that they understood what I said to them, that's much more encouraging and much more um, conversation-inducing than when I either get a blank look or I get a, a response that is totally off base from what I was saying. It's like, okay, clearly you didn't get me, and so let's just move on. And so, so it, it, that practically, that difference between co- comprehension-based versus speaking-based, that's maybe a little bit of how it works out. But I think that on, on the personal level, it plays into our ability to connect and just to establish relationships with people because it... It puts the the emphasis or the value or the the on the on the person that we're listening to, rather than ourselves and on what we have to say, and that's that's I think for us a really key part of of this the whole way we want to go about this and reflects the attitude that we want to have. Yeah, I mean, it's so counterintuitive that being a good language learner or learning a language is more about listening than it is about being a good talker. Mm-hmm. It's just. But obviously God would create it that way, right? Um, he's amazing the way he teaches us lessons as we're going about what, what it is, the mission we're doing. Um, maybe, Andy, I've heard you talk about that idea of trying to be a functioning adult that's kind of taken away as you um, go to a field and talk about Second Corinthians 4, about those jars of treasure. And sometimes we think that as we become better language learners, this jar is going to look better and better. But it's not about the jar. It's about the treasure in the jar. Could you expand on that, like what you yeah. mean? 
I think that this kind of boils back to kind of my experience. And I think even before coming to the field, and I didn't realize this until after we were here, but um, how much I had even seen that, um, like my view had been in so many ways that if I had this treasure on the inside, then my, sorry, my jar would look really good. And so if I have, if I have Jesus in me, then I'm going to be an amazing wife and an amazing mother and um, a great member of society and a great teacher and, and, and all of these things. Um, and yet when I came to the field and suddenly I started having my jar started to get cracked and I started breaking, um, just realizing how much more God was that God started using me in my brokenness and um, and that it wasn't about me putting on this face like I had everything together, um, but that actually when I was broken, um, he was shining through me even more. And going back to Corinthians and looking at that verse and realizing like, it, you know, it talks about these fragile jars that have this treasure inside. And it wasn't about this being this beautiful jar because if if that was the focus, then the focus was on me mm. and not on the treasure that was inside of me and how Christ wanted to, to shine through. And so I guess, like, when I look at that, the thing that I've learned is just about being more transparent and, and brokenness. And I think um, at times I had a tendency to to want to almost cover up that brokenness or to hide it or to put on this face like, okay, you know, let's take it back to language learning. Okay, I'll memorize this phrase and say it because then it, 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 it puts on this face like I really can speak your language instead of admitting the fact that really where I'm at is this broken talk that I barely even sound like an adult. Um, I sound like a two- or three-year-old mm -hmm. um, and so accepting that this is really who I am and um, that I am broken right now and then trusting that God's going to use that, that, that place that I was at to, to make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, making it about the treasure that's inside of us and not about our identity on the outside. And that's just so hard, um, so challenging. Our pride just seeps in we want to put on this appearance. Um, I'll just give one example that I think about. Um, I had this moment with my host mom and we were in, um, I was in cooking with her, you know, and I was already, you know, even cooking with her is a humbling experience because I don't like, I can help her as much as my two-year-old could help me in the kitchen at that point. Um, and so I couldn't even really help her with what she was doing, but she had this baby that she was watching and so I took him, and I could tell that he was kind of tired, and so I actually walked out of the room, kind of bounced him a bit, and he fell asleep. And I came back into the kitchen, and she looked at me with these huge eyes and said, you know how to put a baby to sleep, with just this shock. And my pride on the inside was just like, so broken and I just want like I was a mom of two kids like how could you not know that I know how to put a baby to sleep like 
Of course I did. Like, how do you think my kids were raised? You know, did they not sleep? You know, all these things are going inside of me. <laughs> Ultimately, what she was saying is, you don't know how to put a baby to sleep the way we put a baby to sleep, yet somehow you still managed to do it. <laughs> and um, so again, like, if, if I were to, if it was about me, my reaction would be, I know how to put a baby to sleep. What are you thinking about? I have these two kids. You know, I would have said some of those things I was thinking on the inside. But if I'm taking the place of a learner, I'm accepting the fact that, yeah, no, I still have a lot to learn. I know I don't know how to tie a baby on my back yet. Um, perhaps you can show me how, and then I'll you know, be able to, to do that better next time. Um, so those are the things just constantly at war within us. Is it about us looking good, or is it about us accepting that, that role of a learner and trusting that even in that brokenness, Jesus is going to shine through us? Mm. We're a bunch of two-year-olds, just yep. kind of big for our age. <laughs> <laughs> big and awkward. Yeah. You've been listening to the Rethink Missions podcast. For more information and episodes, go to wmissions.com. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review and subscribe.